Are you taking a reactive or proactive approach to your taxes? Do you wait until the year is over and hope for the best when tax time comes around? Is your business taking accurate tax deductions and receiving all the tax credits you deserve? Welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. Today, we will answer these questions and many more. So sharpen your pencil and take some notes. Now, here is your host, Marcelino Dodge. Good, wonderful day. It's going to be another warm day down here in Southeast Colorado, but it's going to be uh, a little cool in here today. We're going to extend a warm welcome, though, to you to the Tax Answers Advisor. This is Marcelino Dodge. I'm an enrolled agent with the IRS, just trying to help whether you're an individual or a business just to understand your taxes better and really to get help because the tax code has just gotten so complicated. There's so many intricacies with it that really having a professional such as myself, an enrolled agent to help you is going to be absolutely essential as we continuously see tax changes. We are on show number 41, which is just fabulous. We're almost a year in doing this, and it's been a very exciting ride. We appreciate all the listeners throughout the world, those throughout the United States, but we think about ones areas like Sweden and Brazil, or also tune in and download this podcast. It's just great to have you uh, sharing in this and getting this vital information there, because you can get this on various platforms, including iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, all of those areas and multiple other platforms to be able to really get the good tax information that you as an individual or a business need. Whether you look at one of our current episodes or one of our earlier episodes, there's a lot of valuable information there. And you can always, always contact me with questions, concerns. You want to schedule a free mutual exploration session to just to see if our services, our unique services, which are year-round services, to help you to plan whether you're individual or business once again. And you can learn about these more at our website, which is cashtracksfinancial.com. You can call me directly. It's 844-394-4287. Then, of course, our email address is success at cashtracksfinancial.com. And all of this, of course, the free mutual exploration session, that's a one-hour session. We just kind of sit down, get to know you a little bit, uh, go through a series of, of questions that help us to understand, okay, is this going to be a good fit? Will you be a good fit for Cash Tracks Financial? Because we will serve you no matter where you are in the United States as an enrolled agent. That means I'm licensed to do taxes like in all 50 states, essentially, because it is a federal license and as well as the state tax returns as well. All the 43 states that do uh, state income tax, we prepare those as well for you, as well as once again, as I mentioned, year-round tax planning and overall financial services to help you to really put together a whole plan, not just look at your taxes, but come together, especially when issues come up like we're going to talk about today, because so many people are missing a refund for various reasons. Of course, we know the IRS is still way behind, millions of tax returns still processing for 2019 and 2020. But today we're going to look at an area where some people are missing a refund or maybe even paying more taxes than they should. And that has to do with, are you an injured or an innocent spouse? There is tax relief available for you and you can get refunds. These are areas that I have personally worked with over the years because so many people fall into these categories. And what does that mean? Well, perhaps you've been waiting for a refund And then you get a letter from the IRS saying, well, due to some obligation of a spouse, because this is mainly affects married filing joint tax returns, one of the spouses perhaps has an overdue student loan, or maybe they're behind on child support from a previous marriage or a child. Uh, Maybe they're behind on a student on some type of home loan through a federal program. Maybe they owe back taxes to the IRS. Maybe there's other situations where you as a spouse signed a tax return without really reviewing the return ahead of time, not knowing what's really on the return, or perhaps even both spouses signed the return, not really knowing and understanding. And some of that I look at, if that's the case, especially if you're using a tax professional, the tax professional should 
be willing to take the time and do it. Or you as the taxpayer should ask your tax professional, can you explain this to me? And a good tax professional, which is what I do, will sit down and go through it item by item and help you to understand it. Or perhaps there's a situation where your spouse signed for you without your permission. And so each of these items can lead to this situation where you can fall into an injured spouse or an innocent spouse. Now, how do I get relief though? If you have a refund coming, how do you get relief? Well, what you gotta do is there's two types of forms. You can either be an injured or an innocent spouse. The injured requires a form 8379 and an innocent requires a form 8857. Now, these two terms are very different. Though they sound the same, they are very different when it comes to the tax world. So we're going to look at each of these one at a time just to help to distinguish so that if you fall into one of these categories, you can have an idea of where you are, and then you can seek the the professional help of an enrolled agent like myself or perhaps a CPA, someone that can help you to complete these forms and get them filed so that you can get a refund or perhaps get tax payment relief. It just really depends on each of the facts and circumstances that everybody has to run through and experience because that's what the IRS looks like. They look at facts and circumstances as to what is really happening. So let's stop here and now take a brief look or a look at what an injured spouse is. How do you make a claim for an injured spouse? Well, I mentioned some of these items already, such as perhaps there's a federal and state tax debt that is owed. Maybe back child support can even include spousal support like alimony from a prior marriage. They're perhaps overdue on student loans. Get, got behind on those. They're going to start collecting on those again. Those were waived for this past year, but they may start tagging tax returns again come 2022 for those. This is something to be aware of. Maybe there's some other type of federal non-tax debt. Like a few years ago, I had uh, some clients who were uh, filing. They had a good refund coming, but it turned out they had a loan through a federal government program on their home and they were behind on those payments and they took their tax refund to get them caught up on their home loan. So that's a, and then one example of a, of a federal non-tax debt and it can even fall into maybe unemployment is owed. Maybe they need to repay some unemployment back for whatever the reason may be. That can also fall into this category of why they would keep a federal refund. So if one of these items exist, this can indefinitely put you into an injured spouse category. And there's some, a few other requirements that indeed need to be met because these particular items or these requirements are very specific and, and they have to all be present for you to qualify as an injured spouse. Now, the first requirement is that this debt must solely belong to your spouse. So it must be only their debt. And the other key element with this being only their debt is that at the time the debt occurred, no matter if it's one of those items that I have already mentioned there, the past due debt, child support debt, spousal support, whatever, those debts would have had to occurred and been accrued before you were married. And so it's very important that you know that. So basically, if you're looking to get married to someone, my recommendation is try to find out these things ahead of time. And these are financial matters that it's recommended that I personally recommend that any couple when they're looking to get married, these are items to know. I mean, does your potential future spouse owe some potential back debts like this? Because the worst time you want to find out about this is at tax time, you get the letter in the mail from the IRS saying, oh, by the way, we took your refund because we're going to pay, pay someone's past, uh, past due obligation of some sort. So try to get that out. One of those things to kind of get out ahead of time. Now, another requirement to be able to file this uh, 8879 is 
to have income tax withholding. So basically, is you need to be working to be able to even qualify as an injured spouse, have some type of income tax withholding on your W-2 form or be self-employed yourself. That's another way to be able to do that, which means if you're self-employed, perhaps you were making some estimated payments. And see, those estimated payments you made could be applied to your spouse's past due debt. And that's why you may want to file this. And that's how you can be determined as an injured spouse as well. Or perhaps what can happen as well is you're claiming a refundable credit, such as a child tax credit or the earned income tax credit. That's also a requirement to be able to claim injured spouse. Now, those credits do usually require that you work. So you got to have W-2 income because if your uh, spouse uh, is the primary income in the home and you don't work and you're trying to be an injured spouse, then you may not have anything to claim an injured spouse because you're uh, because you don't have any earned income. That's usually the big breakthrough on that is having the earned income, which I've had people visit with me about this over the years. And they'll say, well, I'm making X amount or say $40,000 this year. And, but my spouse doesn't work. Uh, my spouse is disabled, uh, but I want to get the credits for her. And I'm like, well, uh, does she have any other income? Does she have withholding? Whatever the case may be. Um, and I'm like, well, no, she can't because she doesn't have what's these, she doesn't meet these requirements here. She didn't make estimated payments. She doesn't have tax withholding. She doesn't, she can't claim a basically a refundable credit because she doesn't have income to, to create the credit. So certainly all of these items need to be met to be considered an injured spouse. And once again, of course, the refund or a potential refund, no matter what amount it is, is lost because of the other spouse's. Uh, back debt that they owe, whatever that back debt may be. So these requirements being very specific are there and they need to be really looked at closely before you can even apply for the injured spouse relief. Good thing about it is once we get past these requirements, then it's good to take a look at a straightforward solution, which I've mentioned the form 8379 is a form that can be filed to do that. And certainly that can be filed with the tax return. And it's, once again, it's always a married filing joint return that it applies to. So in the tax year, you have, of course, whatever tax year it applies to. So like this last year, if you did it for year 2020, you probably would have attached it to the tax return, which I do for several that I work with on this. And it's always a joint return. And yes, they would take the, the refund to pay some sort of past debt. And certainly uh, that's where we file the form. Now, then you as a potential injured spouse, is this your obligation to pay this debt? Well, then you have to answer, it. no, it is not your obligation because if you don't, if it is your obligation, then you're not eligible. But if it is not your obligation to pay this debt, whatever it is, then yes, you can definitely qualify to be an injured spouse. Now, they also ask, are you in a community property state? And because of the states that are community property states, there are some other rules that fall into place here. Not going to get into those, but those, those do kind of uh, put a little bit of a complication in there if you do happen to live in one of the community property states. Then, of course, it asks, as I mentioned earlier, do you have withholding or have you made estimated payments? And if you haven't made those, uh, you can still possibly file the form. It just, you got to move on to the rest of the questions there, which do you have income? Well, of course, if you have income, then of course you're going to be able to file the form because you got to have income to be able to file the form to generate the, the necessary requirements to be able to even qualify to get it, especially when I mentioned about claiming a refundable credit. Yes, to claim a refundable credit, you got to have income to be able to do that. And so, Make sure if you're trying to claim an injured spouse that you have income comes basically what it comes down to. If you don't have income, you really can't claim to be an injured spouse. So if you're a spouse and you're looking to even avoid the alternative of filing the form, what can you do? Well, one is that you, can, you and your, your spouse can get together 
This is where tax planning, you can use uh, a tax professional, and this is part of the services that we can do in helping you plan throughout the year is to help adjust withholding on your W-2 forms or when you file your W-4 to get that withholding down so you're, you're expecting basically no refund or perhaps even a very little refund on there. So make that adjustment. You can do it as well while your uh, spouse uh, makes those payments. Also, a non-injured spouse can just refund the injured spouse. Like, I don't know how that would happen or even if it does happen, but I do know that is a possibility. As well as you can both agree to pay the debt back together. Now, this is an interesting thought and an interesting thing actually that I have encouraged some clients to do in relation to uh, if a bat, if a debt is owed. Yes, uh, in some cases it can be uh, very inconvenient and even cost some financially because you're expecting a, a certain amount of a refund or you'd like to get a certain amount of refund, but yet because of some past due tax debt or other obligation, you don't get it. Well, I encourage families or spouses to discuss this matter uh, seriously. And the reason I say that is because in many cases, you'd be much better off to get this debt paid off. And one of those areas I particularly say that in is when it comes to child support. If you have a spouse who owes back child support, it would be good to, if you're, especially, if you're expecting some type of refund, to just let that refund go to get that child support paid off. And the reason is, is because that is one of the issues I've seen over the years of doing taxes that has haunted people for years. And it can even be decades because that can, they can target all kinds of stuff for back child support. But that's, when I, that's just one recommendation I have um, is, to help, is to help your spouse take care of that and then you, then you can get out of a rut because if that's always there, that can actually put harm within a marriage or even cause dissension in a marriage. But if you can work together and work through that and get rid of that, you can all move forward <clears throat> because that can haunt even long after whatever child that that is supporting. That can still haunt the, uh, the one spouse that owes the money long after that child has grown up. So it's, it would be good just to get that taken care of right away and do it. So think about that. That's what I encourage you to do. Just, just think about that. Even talk to your tax professional about that. And I talk to ones, I make the recommendation. The choice is always up to the taxpayer what to do. And I actually had that conversation with the, with the client this year about that. He says, you're going to get X amount of dollars back. Uh, but because of your situation, it's all going to go toward the, uh, the one spouse spouse's debt that he owes. And they had said, well, we understand that and we're okay with that because we want to get that paid off. So it worked out really good in that particular case and certainly, uh, and it's going to cause or bring peace to that family to be able to take care of that so that can move forward. So that's just a thought that I have in filing that. Now, another thought on the 8379 is that normally, at least the way that we do it, is we always file it with the tax return. And I've been doing that for some clients for years. We get it in. Basically, I have it just marked in the file. Okay, yeah, these are individuals who we always file an injured spouse for because that's what they want to do. And we always kind of, we always go through and confirm every year. Now, if a situation arises, like we still have an open year, like if you need something for 2019 or 2018, for example, you can actually go back and you can file the form for those past, for those years, because it asks you what year your filing is for. You can put like 2018. The difference when you file the form by itself, which you can, is that there's additional information, the signature and so on that has to be uh, put on the form so that you can file it by itself. And then the IRS will go in and do the calculations and you'll be able to get your refund. That's one of the great parts about this form is that you fill it out, you put in uh, the tax professional goes in and divides up the income, divides up the, uh, the dependents on there, and just kind of does it all. And the IRS goes through and they actually calculate it. And it does take a, a long time to get this process, especially now with, uh, with where we are. The IRS is taking a long time to get a lot of returns processed. If you add an injured spouse into there, it just adds even more time. In previous years, 
I mean, I've had some injured spouse with an electronically filed return come through in about four weeks, but usually it takes closer to about six to eight weeks, sometimes even as long as 13 weeks when you file an injured spouse claim because of just the processing. And that's when you electronically file the tax return. If you paper file the tax return, you could be looking at two to three months for a response from the IRS on it. And the IRS always, uh, well, they used to always just send a check. Well, they will send a check if it's like in a prior year, like if you file one for 2018 or 19, you will get a check. But if it's like for uh, the current year, like 2020, you file it and you include it in the electronic filing, it can be done direct deposit. And I've had that work very nicely for, for many clients over the years. So it's, it can be very good. It can be very consistent, but you just got to be able to file the form. But I do, like I say, always recommend everything. Recommend talk to your tax professional and, and we can help you definitely do that. Now, another area, just to give this distinction for you, we're going to start talking on here for just a little bit and we'll take a little break, is that if you're an innocent spouse, what exactly is an innocent spouse? Well, this is a type of spouse that something can happen when both spouses are liable for some type of full tax or penalties on a tax return. Usually this is, once again, a married filing joint tax return, and there's a lot of other circumstances, and it doesn't have to necessarily do with past past due debts, it, it's other areas that can come in. And this can also be no matter what a marital agreement says, because a lot of times this also comes up in cases of, of divorce. And in one case that I worked on this, it was actually after a husband had passed away that we had to work on this particular case for this, uh, for this uh, widow who, who needed relief. So what can create an innocent spouse? Well, perhaps if a spouse or an ex-spouse had a, had a jointly filed tax return and there was unclaimed income, maybe somehow your spouse had a job you didn't know about and they never deposited the money into perhaps a joint account and they just cashed the checks all the time. And then you file a tax return, but then that W-2 doesn't make it on the tax return. That's a situation that can arise. Also, perhaps if there's wrong deductions on a tax return or claimed uh, or credits, wrong credits claimed, sometimes this can happen, especially if, a, uh, if you have a self-employed situation where you have uh, sole proprietorship on there and so you have them then come together and maybe there's expenses on that sole proprietorship that maybe are not legitimate expenses, or perhaps there's unclaimed income for that sole proprietorship because they'll get 1099s issued out and maybe they're not claiming all the income on it. This is actually why uh, I see as I look back why some spouses, if they have um, one who is doing self-employment, why they may say, you know, I want to do married filing separately because I don't want to be responsible for your taxes. I've actually had some clients explain that to me and say that. And I'm like, well, that's, you know, that, that could be a good stance. But I just want to make sure you understand all the consequences and actions of it. So, but that's something to think about how that can come up as well. And I've seen this happen where there has been unclaimed income or of course, you can, an innocent spouse can claim a share of a refund or avoid tax or avoid their share of tax. Basically, they only want to pay their share of the tax. And as I mentioned a little bit ago, this often only occurs in divorce situations. And I've actually had to deal with this in divorce situations. And as I mentioned earlier, I had to deal with it in the situation of a death. So let so how does this then come in and work for individuals? Well, it starts. Let's just give you the starting point. It starts when the IRS sends out that notice saying there is an error on your tax return or you have unclaimed income on your tax return. There's an exam, there's a notice or you get no refund. The IRS is wanting to collect something back. That is usually when this process starts of deciding, okay, is this individual an innocent spouse 
for tax purposes and can they qualify for a certain type of relief? Well, I'm going to take a short break here. And when I come back, I'm going to look into and discuss some of the types of relief that are available uh, for an innocent spouse and then go into it a little bit because this is actually can be very complicated and the form is very lengthy that is used. It is a multi-page form. But indeed, if you qualify as an innocent spouse, you can definitely get that kind of relief. And I'll return in just a couple minutes here on the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Each year, you file taxes, save money, spend money, and run your business. You try to educate yourself and manage as much as you can on your own. But no matter how hard you search, trying to find the solutions right for you can lead to frustration and burnout. The traditional tax filing and bookkeeping approach no longer works. In a perfect world, the tax professional would work with you throughout the year so you have more time and energy to do the things you love. Marcelino Dodge at Cash Tracks Financial believes you should focus on your job and have a partner to support you to take care of everything else. That is why we developed our personal success and business success bundles. Our clients achieve better results because we focus on more than just tax and bookkeeping stuff. We start with a no-cost mutual exploration meeting to determine if our success bundles are right for you. To schedule your free mutual exploration session, call 844-394-4287, email success at cashtracksfinancial.com or visit cashtracksfinancial.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. To reach our program today, please call in. The number is 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to success at cashtracksfinancial.com. Now, back to the Tax Answers Advisor. Hello, and welcome back to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. We're trying to help you determine if you're either an injured spouse or an innocent spouse, and how you can qualify for tax relief. And just before the break, we had mentioned some of the areas as to when you can get relief for an innocent spouse. And we also mentioned how this actually starts with IRS collection activity. You get that notice from the IRS saying you owe thousands of dollars for this lack of reporting of income, or perhaps you owe thousands of dollars for falsely claiming these deductions or these credits on your tax return. And you're looking at it going, what in the world is going on here? I I don't have any knowledge of this. I don't know what happened. I don't even know that this W-2 or this other job existed. And so these are areas where we're going to kind of discuss and go through a little bit just to help you to have a better understanding that indeed you can find relief and that it's, it's important to, to talk to someone like myself, an enrolled agent, to help you to get through these. Of course, as mentioned, you can email me at success at cashtracksfinancial.com or call me directly. It's 844-394-4287. Now, as we look at the types of uh, innocent spouse relief, of course, there's innocent spouse relief. There's what's called separation of liability. There's also equitable relief. We're going to discuss each of these as best we can today because they do get, like I say, they do get a little complicated and they often do require certain facts and circumstances. And so we're going to kind of try to give as, as nice of an overview as we can 
But in each of these cases, they all start with a married filing joint tax return. And certainly, you can say, well, I didn't sign the, re I didn't actually sign the 1040 return. Well, if you signed the form 8879, which is actually the form every client in this office signs when they file a tax return here, which is the authorization to transmit the electronically, the return to the IRS electronically, that's essentially like signing the form 1040. Now, what is an invalid signature? Well, there could be an invalid signature, perhaps if you've signed under duress or if your signature is actually forged. Now, some cases you, you could have given your spouse permission to sign on your behalf and that's actually okay with the IRS. So then let's just dig into these a little bit. I kind of touched on these already, but once again, we're talking about what can generate this innocent spouse need or need for this is an understatement of unclaimed income or perhaps a wrong deduction or a wrong credit. And this, once again, as I mentioned, you got some uh, Schedule C sole proprietorship businesses, and we can even throw farms in there that are all filed with the uh, Schedule uh, 1040, that form there. Maybe some of the business income was understated, which that does happen. I know what happens because I've seen the uh, notice letters from the IRS that say, uh, here's what you reported on your tax return. Here's what was reported to us, understated income. Or perhaps uh, expenses were inflated. You claim to more expenses that you can actually, than you can actually document or you have receipts for. That can cause this, the need for this filing. And something I didn't mention earlier is rentals. Some people have rental income that comes through from homes, homes that they rent, uh, single family residences. Now, uh, this can happen because once again, people will file 1099s showing that you were paid rent, especially if you're doing uh, working with government assistance programs on your home, on a home that you're renting. Those government assistance programs, especially whatever state you're working in, they will send you a 1099 and that income needs to be reported. And if you don't report it, then this kind of notice can be generated and your spouse can uh, be qualified possibly as an innocent spouse. And that's where, once again, you got to keep, keep in contact, have a good year round planning, going with a tax professional so that these issues can be avoided. Because many times where these issues develop, at least in my experience, when it comes to either an injured spouse, as I mentioned earlier, or an innocent spouse, as I'm talking about right now, is people doing their own taxes when they really should not be doing their own taxes. That's usually every case when I've seen this is that it's all stemmed from self-prepared tax returns or letting someone who thinks they know how to do the tax return do it. So that's my soapbox on that. So also, we think about an innocent spouse did not know or even have reason to know that perhaps these errors existed on the tax return. Maybe the spouse didn't know exactly how much income was coming in on it. I don't know how the spouse would not know about rental income or not, but it's possible. There's, I'm, there's cases out there, there's books on ones who have had a job or had something going on that their spouse did not know about. There's other facts and circumstances. All of these coming in play on how and what, uh, if uh, an innocent spouse does qualify. Uh, depends on the nature of whatever the error is. What's the financial situation of the spouse? What's how all these circumstances are looked at? Perhaps uh, the innocent spouse, what's your education? What is your background? Could you have known or could you have asked specific questions about that? It's interesting because a lot of these questions are all on the form that is used uh, when you file for innocent spouse, the form 8857, uh, there's such things like this that are asked. So it's just something to keep in mind. And then what is your participation? When you're filing for an innocent spouse in this particular error, are you, uh, how aware are of you? Were you aware of it? And then of course we think about Another way they can come in is that if it's just plain wrong to hold the innocent spouse responsible for the debt, responsible for the tax, because are they receiving some type of significant benefit by trying to do this? 
or perhaps was the spouse deserted? The other, the, the one who owes the tax, did they just take off perhaps? We don't know, but those are some of the facts and circumstances that are considered there. Uh, divorce and separation often plays a role in this. That's most often when I've seen this is in the cases of divorce or separation. Or perhaps one received a benefit uh, from understating. And so again, is it going to be wrong for the spouse for the innocent spouse to be held responsible for this tax. And one of the areas that happened that helped you to do this is that there's a nice uh, flow chart that the IRS uses or that you can use, or that your tax professional can use, ask a series of questions that says, uh, does, this certain, does this certain condition exist? Yes or no? And then you move to a different part of the chart or you need to move on to a different chart depending what your answer is. And then you can find out if you do qualify for this type of relief. Now, I do know that in some cases, and I know in many cases, especially ones that I've dealt with, is that you can have uh, a spouse who is uh, preparing tax returns. And this is usually, I can say, it's usually on do-it-yourself tax returns where ones will file a tax return, doing their own, and they're running like a side business and they fail to report that income on the side business. And then years later, after a divorce, because they filed the joint tax return, both uh, the spouse that essentially filed the wrong tax return and then the one who would apply for innocent spouse, they both get this bill saying, uh, you owe X amount of money because such and such income was not reported on the tax return. And well, how did the IRS find out about that? Well, because once again, 1099s were issued out for whatever amount and that income was not reported on the tax return. And so what I had to go in and do is I had to gather all the facts and circumstances of the one applying for innocent spouse relief, um, completed the, the form there, the 8857, so that, uh, and just it's a multi-page form. You got to kind, you kind of got to go through, and you got to look at each line, read each line very carefully, check each box, give an explanation of the facts and the circumstances of it, and then submit the form. Now, as I mentioned earlier, or was was going to mention a little later, but it it can take several months for this even to get processed. But one thing I can tell you, it does it does get processed. Now. It depends on how long the collection activity has been going on because if you get a notice, I mean, it could be a notice for two or three years back, but if the collection activity is starting and you just get the first notice, you got to file that within two years to be able to even qualify for innocent spouse relief to start the process. So if you get that notice and you're looking for that, jump on it right away, get on the phone, give your tax professional a call and we can help you get that solved, gather all the facts and circumstances. You got to be very cooperative, especially if you're talking several thousands of dollars that could be owed. Uh, you need to jump on that and see if indeed you can qualify for that. And in some cases, if you have partial knowledge of something that was uh, perhaps fraudulent or something that was uh, not reported, that needed to be correct, that wasn't correctly reported, well, you may only get partial relief. So just keep in mind uh, all these matters. Now, there could be another area that you may fall into, which is separation of liability relief. Now, for this type of relief, there must be a legal separation or a divorce for at least one year or must not be in the same household for at least one year. And this can also include a dead spouse where this relief, when you go and you look for this relief or try to apply for this relief. Now, also in looking for the separation of liability relief, you have to have no knowledge of the understatement that created the liability, which once again, could be self-employment income. At least that's the most common thing I have encountered in working with this and so basically you want to turn around and you want to have 
when you apply for this type of relief, you want to be treated as if you're doing like a married filing separate return. So that once again, it separates your liability from the spouses, the other spouses liability there. Now, Again, this also, if you want to apply for this type of separation of liability relief, this has to be within two years of IRS collection activity. And this is where it can get very uh, time-consuming and the timeline could run out if you don't get on this right away because people, once again, sometimes procrastinate. They get a bill. Oh, it's not my bill. My Whoever will take care of it. My ex-spouse will take care of it. Well, you can't count on that. You get a bill like that, you got to jump on it. You got to get on the phone, got to call an enrolled agent, a CPA, someone who can help you to handle this and get it done. Because if you don't get it done within the two years, you could be stuck with it. And certainly you don't want that. Now also consider, as I mentioned, it can include a dead spouse. Now what's interesting about that is that I actually took care of a case a few years ago where a dead spouse was involved. There was a business that the spouse that passed away was involved in and someone associated with that business was doing the tax return for them, helping them do the tax return. And it wasn't an enrolled agent. It wasn't the CPA. It was just someone that worked at that business that issued out the 1099s that was helping them do the business and had filed those tax or helped them file those tax returns. And then the individual, the surviving spouse who was filing for basically the separation of liability relief practically had not seen these tax returns. I'm not even sure exactly how, how anyway, how the tax returns got filed because it sounds like this uh, individual, the surviving spouse here had, hadn't even seen the tax returns. And she was getting these notices that her, her spouse who had passed away had tens of thousands of dollars owed for in back taxes. Like, I didn't even know this. So indeed, it can happen. And the surviving spouse, or in this case, the, the innocent spouse here, had to apply for, for relief, given a big old long explanation, each page explaining this is what happened. Uh, basically, had no knowledge of the tax returns, didn't even see the tax returns. It sounds like the tax returns were signed in her behalf, and she didn't even actually see them or sign an 8879 to be able to sign them, which... Too many people will go in and create an account on a do-it-yourself uh, tax software and say they're doing people's taxes, but yeah, they are doing them, but are they doing them right? And see, this was a case where I, I don't think whoever did that did them right. And we had took several months, once again, as I mentioned, to be able to get the relief, but yet this uh, surviving uh, spouse did get the relief because the IRS recognized that this tax liability was not hers, as well as the fact that she she was innocent because she had no really had no clue what was going on in it. So always make sure, get involved in the tax process is basically what I'm <clears throat> suggesting here uh, to, to, married, to married couples. Know what is going on financially with your spouse. Uh, get that tax knowledge. At, even if you don't understand it, at least have some awareness of what's going on and what's being filed so that you can keep, keep peace in the family and be able to not have to file this uh, separation of relief or even look for this innocent spouse liability. So very, very careful. So now think about this. You can be denied relief as an innocent spouse in this if you've been engaging in fraud of the IRS or some other third party. This would include having actual knowledge of these erroneous items that created a deficiency, or even if you try to avoid taxes by transferring property. Just some thoughts to keep in mind. Now, the last one real quick is equitable relief. These factors, once again, include separation or divorce, as well as can be, if I don't get this relief, it's really going to cause me an economic hardship. So just be aware there, as well as you have a legal obligation to requesting the spouse to pay. Maybe the spouse needs to pay, and it's not really your, once again, your business. Uh, and are you going to get a significant benefit from the unpaid tax? That's another thought that's going to be considered there. Uh, what's been your tax compliance? 
as a requesting spouse. Have you been compliant in taxes whenever, if this event happened three, four years back, have, have you have a record of compliance at least since this yourself? That can help you to get the necessary relief. Also, to get equitable relief, do you have a knowledge or, or reason to believe that the other spouse that actually owes the tax, they're not going to pay it within a reasonable amount of time? You might qualify. Or perhaps if I don't get this relief, is it going to affect my physical or mental health? May need a do literal doctor's note for that, but that's something to think that you may be able to qualify for that type of relief. And then again, there's special rules on this in community property states, uh, specific to those areas. So certainly uh, encourage you to uh, work with someone who can work with uh, community property states and see how that fits in because because of the rules in those states, sometimes uh, things may not go exactly as they would in a state like Colorado, for example, that is not a community property state. So just some thoughts. Now, if you happen to be an ex the executor of an estate of, a, of an innocent spouse who, who has passed away, now, tax liability does not end at death, but what you can do is that you can still file this 8857, this can be done on behalf of the decadent so that if there is a liability that can be waived or can be removed because of the circumstances that we described, well, that I described earlier through this, then possibly, yeah, you can get this liability removed from the estate so that the estate won't have to pay these taxes and they'll be able to have more to pass on to the heirs of the estate. And certainly this can also happen. You can have marital status. It goes by the marital status at the date of relief requested or the date of death, whichever is first. So just another point to keep in mind. Now, a little bit specifically on the 8857, this is a form that takes time to process. It really does. It's not a fast. It can take an average of about eight months to process it from the time you submit it. And the other part, too, with this form is that it's paper filed. You got to fill it out, a seven-page form that you can download from the irs.gov and I, once again, as I said, I recommend having a tax professional help you to complete this form to get the necessary relief because it can be very complicated and there's specific questions on there and you may not know how to properly answer them. And having a tax professional, uh, enrolled agent, CPA help you to do that would be highly recommended. Also, through this process, they also contact the spouse who is not requesting the relief to kind of find out, well, to get their side of the stories, but they don't, but they don't provide any other than what, other than what is absolutely necessary with information. So indeed we do see that this process and because it's paper filed, if you're having to do it now, it could be a year, just, just the way the IRS is processing stuff. And as I talked about a few weeks ago, a lack of customer service at the IRS is that it'd really be good for them just to uh, get more money, just to be able to process more tax returns and process and be able to talk to people when they call on the phone and get items such as this done. It's one of those areas you're just going to have to just be patient, but get it filed, submit the form. And like many things with the IRS, you want to send it uh, certified, uh, delivery receipt requested so that you know, yes, they did get it and then keep that as part of your records there. So whether you fall under any of these areas, whether it be an injured spouse, which is basically a real simple process, can be filed with the tax return, can be filed electronically, and can usually be taken care of within a few weeks. Or if you fall under innocent spouse, which is a more complicated kind of system, a more complicated filing, more details are needed. You need to really consult and get with a tax professional uh, like myself to be able to help you determine which of these areas fits your particular situation. 
How are you going to address these? What's the questions that need to be answered? What are the answers to those questions? Tax professionals can certainly help you to do so. We want to work at this and help you, which is why one reason I do this podcast out there is to be able to reach out to ones, help them to know that there are tax professionals who, who really want to teach you and help you to be successful individually and also be successful in business, which is why I make it so easy to get a hold of me through success at cashtracksfinancial.com or call me. That's 844-394-4287. We're available at cashtracksfinancial.com, which talks about our mutual exploration process, talks about our tax services, talks about our business and individual bundles, which what we do is to help you achieve your goals faster. And as we work to help you achieve those goals, we also do your tax and accounting work to help you out. And then we put an action plan into place for you. And this can include areas helping you to determine like life insurance, healthcare benefits, retirement solutions, because we never know what direction Congress is going to go. And certainly we want to be able to plan ahead, whether we're an individual or we are a business. We want to be able to talk to someone within reason to be able to help us to provide those solutions. So then just keep these points in mind. Uh, always open, like I say, for a free mutual exploration session to really kind of get down, get to know you a little bit better, get to know your situation a little bit better, find out what's causing you some pain, find out what threats there are to your success, help you to eliminate those threats and help you to develop a very strong action plan so that not only uh, others can be successful, but you can be individually successful too in both your financial and in your tax situation there. So again, please feel free to give me a call. It's 844-394-4287. The email, success at cashtracksfinancial.com to schedule your free mutual exploration session. This is Marcelino Dodge. I am so happy and I really thank you as I look forward to speaking to you once again next week at 9 a.m. Pacific. This is the Tax Answers Advisor on the Voice America Business Channel. Thank you for listening to the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. We'll be back again next Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share next week.